All righty. Well, good morning, everyone. Is that too loud or is that okay? It's good? Okay. Welcome back, or I should say maybe us welcome back. We've been MIA for a while. And uh, I don't know if you guys know, uh, next week will be the last week of Sunday school for summer. Uh, we'll be starting again in September. We won't be here next week. <laughs> We're going to be in Mexico, so someone else will fill in. But starting September, uh, the first weekend in September, then we'll start back up again for the fall. Because, you know, July and August, a lot of people are kayak camping and backpacking. <laughs> well, that's us, but <laughs> a lot of folks are gone. So let's pray, okay? Father, thank you so much for today. And we get a chance to um, just study your word and worship you and learn about your truth. We just ask uh, that you would give us wisdom and insight, and we can, uh, like we always ask, we can use this information just to be able to share your word with others. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Okay, so as you guys can see, and well, Carol brought up a good point. The folks online can't see the slides. I wish you guys could, but we'll maybe fix that in September. But as you guys can see, my biggest problem has always been, you know, why are we paying our children that this is grandpa, right? Why are we what? Paying our children, uh, or paying to teach our children oh, that, that okay. this is grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> Through the public school systems. I mean, we're, we're being fed what is absolute lies, and we'll get into that today. If you guys remember where I left off last time, I was like, what about cavemen in the Bible? Well, that absolutely is gonna be answered today, and that depends on what you mean by cavemen, right? People live in caves today, say in the Middle East, um, jungles, but they are certainly not half human, half ape kind of hybrid thing. If we are created in the image of God, why are we told an ape is where we came from? I believe that someone is absolutely trying to make a monkey out of us. So let's talk about so-called cavemen. And these are the stories that we see all over the world and all the time, you know, here on BBC News. Humans should talk like chimps. If humans behaved more like their chimp relatives, they might be better at communicating, say, experts. How is that possible? How is that science, right? So let's get into evolution's hall of shame and talk about the first one. Nebraska man. Have you guys heard of that one yet? Okay. Nebraska man was used for years as evidence of evolution. And all they found for Nebraska man was just one single tooth. That's it, just a tooth. And they formed this entire structure of a hominid type thing off of one tooth. Not only that, then they ended up making his wife, as you see, so you have to be really good to make him a wife based on only one of his teeth. Yet, you know, these are the professionals, so we can't question them. So what happened with Nebraska man? Later on, we finally discovered that the one tooth that they formed to make Nebraska man was actually the tooth of a pig. This was the real Nebraska man. How about Piltdown man? Okay, have you guys ever heard of Piltdown man? No? Georgia, you have? Yeah, but I don't know. Okay. So Piltdown Man was named after a gravel pit it was found in, um, in the city of Piltdown, England. So how about this one? Uh, this one was in the New York Times, let's see, let me get the year here. 
uh, I think in 1912. And it was going to be used in the 1925 Scopes Monkey Trial. Now let me backtrack a little bit. Do you guys remember the 19, not remember, but remember reading about the 1925 Scopes Monkey Trial? Do you know what that was? Okay. And for those listening online that you don't know what it was, here's the skinny of it. Um, in Tennessee, they had a law where it was illegal to teach evolution in public schools. That was the law. One substitute teacher decided to push that law. He taught evolution uh, in the public school space. Of course, everyone back then freaked out. Um, he said it was a constitutional issue. They went to trial to the Supreme Court, later became known as the Scopes Monkey Trial. Well, what happened? Well, during the trial, they started bringing up evidence for evolution and evolutionary theory being true and creation theory being false. And the judge actually ended up striking down all of that. He said, the question is not whether or not evolution theory is true. I don't care about that right now. What I care about is did you break the law on the books by teaching evolution when it was illegal to teach evolution? And he did. So he was found guilty of that and ended up losing his job. Okay. But then later on, you know, then we have... Uh, that law being reversed now, of course, it's not only legal, it's preferred to teach evolutionary theory in public schools. And they were going to use this very thing, uh, the Piltdown Man, in the 1925 Scopes Monkey Trial as evidence for evolution. And uh, it was John T. Scopes in Dayton, Tennessee was the substitute teacher that ended up doing that. So the problem with the Piltdown Man this was an absolute giant hoax. The Piltdown Man, someone took an ape's jaw, a human skull, they broke the temporal mandibular joints from it, they filed them down, made them fit together, filed down the teeth, and fooled everybody for literally 40 years before it was proven as an absolute fraud. It was a fraud and it was exposed as a fraud in 1953. Okay, now here's my issue. Piltdown Man, is still listed in our public science textbooks today as evidence for transit transitory species, um, the missing links, today. And it was 100% proven to be a fraud in 1953. And of course, it was a fraud for 40 years while they went over this. How about Neanderthal Man? This one is still listed in our textbooks today. I'm sure a lot of you have heard of Neanderthal Man, right? So. In 1856, they found a skeleton petrified in the Neander Valley and they named it Neanderthal Man. Now, what did that end up looking like? Well, the back was, was bent over on it, right, on, on this particular skeleton. And then they end up saying, well, what we see here, humans walk upright, apes walk on all fours, kind of, you know, sometimes a little bit upright. So if we find a, a skeleton that's slightly bent over, well, there he is. He's evolving. He's slowly coming up. Well, after bone density tests on the skeleton, we discovered, no, that's not the case. He's an old guy with arthritis slowly going down, right? Not the other way around. Except They've known that from the very beginning when they started um, postulating this theory. And actually, about 300 Neanderthals have been found. Their brains were about, uh, let me just get this right, about 12 to 13% larger than ours. Their muscle density was absolutely enormous. 
because um, you, you can see it from the attachment joints, right, of, of where the muscles would attach and, and wear down uh, on, the, on the skeleton. So they were extremely strong people and very, very intelligent people with a, a brain capacity of about 13% larger than ours. So they ended up giving a Neanderthal skull to some artists, about nine of them. And they said, well, what do you think this, this thing would have looked like? They said, well, I don't know, we're, we're artists. Tell us what you want it to look like. I mean, we'll, we'll make it fit. And of course, they got completely nine different representations of it, right? And all ape-like characters, ape-like structures. So Dr. Jack Cousseau had a chance to study the actual Neanderthal skulls in Europe and said that these are just regular humans that had been able to live to a great age. Um, before that, people lived, as you guys remember our talk on the flood, people lived on average about 900 years, right? So we take a look at the timeline. Why are my slides not advancing? There they go. Okay. So we take a look at the timeline, and then after the flood, then uh, you know our age expectancy started dropping down dramatically, then 400, then 200, then 100. However, um, it's a simple biological fact. The, the ridge of our eyebrows never stops growing throughout our entire life. So what do you think is going to happen if you have a guy living to be two, three, 400 years old? What is that ridge bone going to end up looking like? Well, like I said, Dr. Jack Cazot had a chance to study that, and he said these humans are just regular humans able to live to a great age. He was not a creationist, by the way. People today that are constantly also using their jaws, like the aborigines, which you can see on the left, um, the, the constant chewing motion of your jaws puts strain on those bones and causes them to grow more pronounced. I mean, if you see any documentaries on aboriginal peoples, I mean, they're not carrying around toolboxes out in the bush of Australia, right? So they use their jaws for everything, for vice, for pliers. They're, they're constantly using it in chewing uh, motion. And you can see that's a normal aboriginal skeleton, recent. And you can see the more pronounced eyebrow ridge versus a European. And then you can even see a flathead Indian. Very, very different based on how they lived. Here is an actual living man from the Neander Valley. It's just how these people are built, okay? You can see the brow ridge never stops growing. This size probably indicates an individual roughly about 200 years old. And you can see that brow ridge on that skeleton much more pronounced. So, uh, let me get here. Then the next one. Professor Reiner Proch he lied about the age of the Neanderthal skulls. That was the first one to have found it. Uh, for about 30 years, a university panel exposed his frauds and he resigned in February of 2005. Completely lied about it, about the age. But it is still in our textbooks today as evidence for missing link and for transitory, uh, transitionary fossils. Why? Why are we still having things that we know to be absolute lies and frauds taught to our kids still today. I mean, does, does this kind of rise up in you guys like it does me something to just make you, this is, this is nuts, why are we still allowing this? Okay, what about Cro-Magnon man? Anyone ever heard of him? Right, that's uh, a very common one still used in the textbooks today. 
as proof for another missing link? Well, nope, he's actually just a regular homo sapien. Normal, nothing fantastic about him. Um, the one that they have in there today, in today's textbooks, they call Australopithecus africanus, which was actually disproven in 1973, um, but we'll get into that. That's 48 years ago it's been proven wrong. It's still in our textbooks today, 48 years later. Why are they still keeping that in the textbooks? So Australopithecus africanus was found by Raymond Dart in 1924, proclaimed as the intermediate link between apes and man. So, and then here's where it was proven wrong. In 1973, South African geologists announced that the cave the skull was found in was no more than three quarters of a million years old. This means that the Tog skull could not be a missing link between apes and humans because the age, it doesn't add up from, from their theories. Now here's, it's unfortunate that Dart had no access to skulls of infant chimpanzees, gorillas, or orangutans of an age corresponding to that of the Tong skull. For had such material been available, he would have realized that the posture and poise of the head, the shape of the jaws, many details of the nose, face, and cranium upon which he relied for proof of his contention that Australopithecus was nearly akin to man were essentially identical with conditions met in the infant, gorilla, and chimpanzee. So our comparison of the profile and full face of the Tong specimen with corresponding views of human and anthropoid skulls leaves no doubt as the true anthropoid status of Australopithecus. That is, in all its essential characters, it is a true anthropoid ape. Just a regular ape. Now, there was another one found. You guys, this one was extremely famous. Australopithecus afarensis, better known as Lucy. Anyone heard of that one? Here she is. Here's Lucy, this is what they had found, okay? Now, I know we're like, well, you know, with computer imaging technology and whatnot, we can get a idea of what this looked like. You guys have all probably watched CSI on TV and you can, you know, see when they, when they do that. But however, looking at this picture, do you think you can completely tell how it walked or the shape of the skull or anything like that? I mean, look at the skull. What do we have? One, two, three, four, five fragments, four or five fragments of the skull, that's not going to work. There's interesting uh, issues surrounding Lucy. It was found by Donald Johansson in 1974 in Ethiopia. He was there on a grant specifically to look for missing links, okay? Now let me interpret what a scientific grant means, especially if you're on a grant looking specifically for missing links. Someone gave him money and told him to go down and find missing links. If you don't find missing links, no more money. That's what a scientific grant is going to do. However, two weeks before his grant money expired, da -da -da -da, he discovered Lucy. So he was highly motivated, I suspect, right? Where do you think that this would leave if we were you know, doing this like in a murder trial in the court of law? I mean, that is serious motive, don't you think? Two weeks before your money's about ready to run out, then you find this. So Lucy was three feet tall, and it was obviously a chimpanzee of some kind. The bones of the skull, as you can see here, were crushed thoroughly. You couldn't tell anything about the skull. But for our textbooks, you see that image of the skull there, they make it look half human, half ape, and well, they named it Lucy because they were looking, listening to the Beatles song, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, at the time, right? 
And if you guys know the code behind that one, the acronym LSD, because they weren't allowed to sing about drugs. But yeah, that's neither here nor there, but I thought it was rather interesting in how they came up with the name Lucy. So, the knee joint with Lucy, labeled as Lucy's in National Geographic, was actually found a mile and a half away from the rest of Lucy and over 200 feet deeper than where Lucy was found. And they used this as the knee joint for Lucy. How is that possible, right? It's not Lucy's knee. It's a mile and a half away, for heaven's sake. That's... <laughs> that's way not even close to being the same thing. Oh, and a year, like I said, and about a year later is when they ended up finding it. Okay, now let's take a look at the, at the knee joints. So the knee joint is the best evidence that they have that Lucy was becoming a human. The one, you know, found a mile and a half away, 200 feet deeper, yeah, that knee joint. An ape's leg goes straight up and down, as, as you can see here. Uh, a human's leg, we have an angled femur from our knee joint. Well, why is that? Well, because our hips are wider than our knees, right? It's just the only way that we're able to walk. And then they're seeing here that Lucy has the same angled femur uh, to a knee, so it must be a transitory species. It, it has to be a missing link. She's, she's evolving, she's becoming human. No, not quite what you actually probably found was a tree climbing monkey that also have angled femurs because of how they wrap, like an orangutan for example, how they wrap their legs around trees. Not an actual transitory species. The bones of Lucy, um, Dr. John Johansson said, are slightly bigger than a regular ape's, okay? How is that proving that it's becoming a human? I mean, the bones of a Clydesdale are slightly bigger than a regular horse. Does that say it's evolving into a truck? Like, it, it, that doesn't mean anything. We have big horses and little horses. They still exist today. So, in the St. Louis Zoo, they actually put human feet on their Lucy display. Okay, let me go back. Let's take a look at Lucy. Okay, there's all of Lucy's bones. Do you see anything resembling a foot bone in what they found? Nope, not one. But in St. Louis Zoo, I'll go back to it here, here's their display. No feet or hand bones were even close to being found. Now remember, the knee joint that they found was a mile and a half away, a year later and 200 feet deeper. Every other Australopithecine that has been found has curled toes. So Professor Menton of Washington University said that this is a misrepresentation. He said the statue, meaning the one at the St. Louis uh, Zoo, is a complete misrepresentation. I believe they know it is a misrepresentation. However, Director Carr's response was, we think the overall impressions this exhibit creates is correct. So Director Carr, you're telling me that you will willingly and knowingly lie to kids coming through your zoo just to give them a impression that evolution is true? You mean your theory is more important than the actual facts? Absolutely. They will lie to kids to push their theory just like there are lies in the textbooks, about 60 of them today. That's the one we'll be diving into in September, so stay tuned for that one. In Africa, 
they found perfectly normal human footprints in a layer of ash that had been turned to stone. Perfectly normal human footprints, okay? Looks just like what we see today. Now, they were supposed to be in ash about three and three quarter million years old. They studied these footprints and said, wow, these are exactly the same as footprints we see in modern humans today. Russell Tuttle had a chance to study these footprints in depth. He also went to a place where people never wear shoes. Like, it's not their culture. They don't even uh, own them. They studied their footprints. He had them jog through the mud, jump in the mud, walk, you know, run, skip, everything to completely study and see what their footprints were like. His, um, uh, not, his discovery, his, uh, what am I trying to get at? Uh, well, the end of his, of his study. Yeah, well, it's his, it's his evidence after the study. It was a hypothesis. He didn't have one yet. He was just looking to see what it was. But he actually discovered that, wow, these people that don't wear shoes their entire life, their footprints are exactly the same as the ones that were found in Laetoli, Africa. He goes on to say, listen to this, if the Laetoli footprints were not known to be so old, we would readily conclude that they were made by a member of our own genus Homo. What? Yeah, let, me, let me rephrase that. In other words, he said, if we didn't know better, we would think a human made these. But because of their preconceived timeline of when they were formed, they say, well, I can't be a human, even though it matches everything we see with human footprints. And we've even studied human footprints in mud of indigenous peoples that will never wear shoes, but we know it can't be human because they're three and three quarter million years old, so it has to be a transitory species. That's insane. How do you know better? Well, because the rock is too old. That's a classic example as to where evolution theory is a hindrance to common sense and to scientific research. This has nothing to do with science. This is a religion at this point. They're absolutely trying to push a religion of what they believe happened and completely ignoring the scientific evidence. Like I said at the beginning of, of our class here in Sunday school, I love science, guys. I was a biomed major, right? Uh, as you can tell, I totally, that's the way my mind works. I love science. Nothing against science, but actual science. When you're having a theory, a religion, you know, postulated to our young people saying that this is absolutely true, when you are unequivocally denying the evidence set before you, that becomes a major, major problem. Now, let me go back. Oh, okay, here's the picture of our footprint. So you can see an adult footprint with a, a little kid's footprint next to it, right? All right, what did National Geographic do with just those footprints? Here's their drawing of it. 1979, National Geographic, page 446 through 447. Look at that. Why do they have the added toe separation in the drawing when it wasn't there in the fossil evidence? Well, I think they did this on purpose because it's a very serious problem going from an ape-like foot to a human foot. See, apes, have a toe that sticks out off the side, kind of like a thumb, where we do not. So the, the apes are designed so to you know, grab a tree and hang upside down. You can try it if you want. I don't recommend it. We're not designed that way. If you want to practice, you know, practice from a very, very low hanging branch because you're going to fail, but you can see the difference. And this is a very serious problem because here, Okay, here we have uh, an illustration of four million years of bipedalism. 
They gave every one of these so-called missing links a human foot because to have that transitory, to have a foot going like this to like this has never been found and it's a very, very big problem for the evolutionist. Charles Oxnard studied Lucy. He said the bones that represent Lucy isn't even close to being in the lines of humans. Actually, they do have these little ape-like creatures that still walk upright and they're still alive in Sumatra today. However, it's listed in our textbooks as evidence for a transitory species and the missing link. Today, right now, in Lewis County, you know, our levy money goes to pay for that. That infuriates me. It absolutely infuriates me. How about Peking Man? He's another one that was used as evidence for years in evolution. Anyone ever hear of Peking Man? It was found in Peking, China, right? They found a cave with a bunch of crushed monkey skulls in there. The skulls had been smashed, and they had also found some human tools. So some brilliant scientist said, wow, look, these monkeys are learning how to make and use tools. Like, what, they're making their own tools? I'm like, <laughs> smash, you know, that makes sense. No, there's another explanation. Why are the skulls crushed and why are there human tools inside of that same cave? However, they didn't tell anybody that they found 10 normal humans in the same cave along with the tools and the smashed monkey skulls. You guys remember Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom? There are some cultures that like to eat monkey brains, right? It is a thing. I don't know, I mean, I might try it if I were there, <laughs> just not to offend the people, but I don't think I would really enjoy that so much. I'd, I'd be like that lady, you know, that you know, passes out and then she asks the little kid for her, his hat so she can puke into it. <laughs> That'd be very close to my response. So more than likely, in this case, they probably found a cave where these people were just having a feast on monkeys. It's what they did. It's that particular culture. Okay, how about this one? Homo erectus. You, I know a lot of folks have heard of that one. Definitely Homo erectus. That's still used in the textbooks. It used to be called Java Man, and then Pithecocampus, then Homo erectus. So that one was found by Dr. Dubois, who went to Indonesia purposely, again, on another grant to try and find missing links. So what's the story of Dr. Dubois and this dig? Well, he hired a bunch of prison convicts to go dig for him. He wasn't even there when they found it. What they found was this, an ape skull cap, three human teeth, and a thigh bone that was found a year later and 50 feet away. From that, they make that. How? Three teeth, an ape skull cap, and one femur found a year later and 50 feet away. How is that possible to make that? So Dubois put them all together and said, we have a missing link here. And this also was going to be used in the 1925 Scopes monkey trial as evidence for evolution. So the famous um, anatomist Virgil said this, quote, in my opinion, this creature was an animal, a giant gibbon, in fact, the thigh bone was not the slightest connection with the skull. Totally different creatures. However, the other part that they don't tell you, Dubois, in that same dig, hid the fact that he found two human skulls in the same area. Human, perfectly normal, modern human. He put those under his bed, under the floor, and the fraud was revealed 30 years later. You guys remember the Edgar Allan Poe story of the telltale heart, you know, the thump, 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 thump under his bed, and well, this is like the telltale head, right? So 30 years, he hid this fact that he found these human skulls under the floorboards, under his bed completely lied about it. We discovered the fraud, and it's still in our textbooks today. 
as taught as evidence for transitory species, and these are the missing links. They're lies. They're out and out lies. And, they're, and we're, we have no, um, not that we don't have any recourse, but we don't have any alternatives, at least in the public school system, for folks teaching that this isn't accurate. This absolutely isn't true. So there are not enough fossil records to answer when, where, and how Homo sapiens emerged. That's a, a director of molecular anthropology. Fossil evidence of human evolutionary history is fragmentary and open to various interpretations, you think. Fossil evidence of a chimpanzee evolution is completely absent altogether. Return to the Planet of the Apes, Henry Gee, Nature, Volume 412, 12th July 2001, page 131. So the evolutionary timeline between chimpanzees cannot be found anywhere, yet we are being forced to believe that our evolutionary timeline from chimpanzees is very, very clear, when you can't even find how a chimpanzee, quote, suddenly evolved, or over millions of years, whatever the timeline ends up being. So we have articles like this in the magazines all the time. Where are we going? Well, we have two completing, uh, conflicting worldviews at this point, right? The evolutionist is like, nowhere, you know, if it feels good, do it. And the Christian worldview is, well, we know exactly where you're going. Without hell, without Christ, straight to hell, unfortunately. That's a very, very real fact. That is where folks are going. So, now the Orce man, O-R-C-E, they were going to have, it was found in Spain, they were going to have this big old party, this big symposium about the Orce man. So this one was the, the nail for the transitory species. This was the absolute missing link. Oldest example of man in Eurasia. Well, later they found out that it was a four-month-old donkey skull fragment. A skull fragment. They were going to have an entire symposium proving that this is the missing link off of just a skull fragment. <laughs> and it was a four-month-old donkey. This is the quote-unquote science that they keep teaching our young people. Not only our kids in public school, but oh man, once you get to university, oh, it's really indoctrination time. Even Christian, I know. It was the same way at mine, at California Baptist, down in Riverside. We had evolutionary biology teachers, and I'm like, how does that work at a Christian university? A dolphin's rib had been labeled as a human collarbone, and it was in a museum for a very long time. In 2004, we actually found a hobbit, okay? And they were looking at, was this hobbit a human ancestor? Well, it was just a normal human that suffered from secondary mi uh, microcephaly dwarfism. We see these people existing today, right now, right? Nothing special about that. Okay, so if you guys are getting as furious as I do about this, that this is still in our public school textbooks that we are paying for, oh, we're good on time, okay that we are paying for, you wonder, what is our recourse? I mean, don't we have laws, you know, because we're paying for this public education. Don't we have laws? Yeah, we do. Most states have laws requiring textbooks to be accurate. Okay, oh, actually, let me go back. If you guys want to make a note of this, so all of the so-called cavemen are dealt with in great detail in this book. Um, it's called Bones of Contention. I would order that one, okay? Uh, that's from an actual anthropologist and geologist. So you can pick that up on uh, Amazon, actually. Bones, plural. Bones of contention. Mm -hmm. 
So like I said, most states have laws requiring textbooks to be accurate. Minnesota says teachers should not deliberately distort nor suppress subject matter. However, Minnesota is still teaching these as all evidence for evolution when the ones here, let me uh, get here, to do, the ones here in the red circle have absolutely 100% been equivocally proven as a lie, a hoax, or completely false in Minnesota's textbooks. And Minnesota's own law says teachers should not deliberately distort nor suppress subject matter. Now, the textbooks, here, how many states have this? Well, let's go back here. Minnesota, of course, has a law. Florida has a law requiring accuracy of instructional materials. California says textbooks shall be factually accurate of current and confirmed research. Texas said instructional materials, factual information accurately. Wisconsin has laws of factual accuracy. So do we in Washington State. It doesn't matter. They're still having these lies propagated in our textbooks that are not close to being factually accurate. Take them out of the bloody textbooks, please. Like I said, in Minnesota, teachers shall not deliberately suppress nor distort subject matter. Have you guys heard stories of that? Teachers deliberately suppressing and distorting subject matter? It's quite common, isn't it? Yes. Like, the fact that these past... Sorry, it's not much time. Sorry. What? No, you can't. No, it's fine. It doesn't matter. Like, just, just the fact that there have been these theories uh -huh. past efforts to confirm hypotheses and whatnot, and like, and then they were disproven, or then they failed, or whatever. Like, those can still be used in textbooks as examples, but it's presented like this was a theory, and this is what really is true. Right. So like, they. they Right, they can still be presented, but they need to be revised. Yes. So for those listening online, the comment was, you know, these failed or sometimes completely fraudulent um, theories that were put forth in the textbooks, we can still use them in our textbooks as things that have happened, but they need to be truthfully represented that, oh, we thought this was one way and we found out it was a lie, a fraud, we were mistaken. Um, but no, it, it's, it's completely sold as 100% fact in here. We have no doubt evolution is true, and here's why, and they list examples that we know to be absolute lies. Yeah. Okay, so here's an interesting one. Now, the textbooks, instead of calling us homo sapiens like they used to, they now call us homo sapiens sapiens. What? Why? Well, why is that? Well, the word sapien means wise. So now we are the wise, wise man. Well, what does the Bible say about that? Well, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Romans 1, 22. You can't prove... Now, here's this one. Um, let me go back. This was another uh, article that came out. He's the daddy of us all. And, and they like to show this with uh, the fossils that they find. And of course, they have an artistic representation of what this individual ended up looking like. Okay, how do you know that? You don't know that he is the daddy of anybody. You have no idea a fossil had reproduced. You can't know that, right? All that you know is what? It died. That is the only thing you can prove with a fossil. And how about this one? The mother of all mammals. Again, how do you know that? 
How do you know that this thing ever even reproduced? You just know one thing, it died, that's it. If you find a fossil in the dirt, you don't know if it had any kids. There's no way to know that. You can't wish it a happy Father's Day or happy Mother's Day. You sure don't know that it produced different kids. Why do evolutionists claim that bones in the dirt can do something that living animals cannot do? Produce different kinds other than themselves. Why? Why? We can't possibly do that today, but you know, bones found in the dirt are somehow able to do that? No fossil would count as evidence in an honest court of law. It absolutely wouldn't. But we're expected to believe it hook, line, and sinker that, yep, this is absolute truth for, for evolution, and we see it. And this won't pass a law of court. No way. So how about the Stone Age? Where does the Stone Age fit in scripture? And was there ever a Stone Age? Well, after the flood, remember, folks were living a lot shorter than what they did uh, pre-flood. So think about it. So Noah and the boys had been on the boat for what? I think about three, three and a half years, okay? Before they were finally able to get off the ark and they need to do something. So do you think Noah tells his boys to run down to Ace Hardware to go grab a shovel or a hammer? No, right? There's no Ace Hardware. Think about what the world looked like after the floodwaters receded. It was decimated. They had a lot of rebuilding to do. You have to totally rebuild civilization. At this point, they had a legit Gilgand Island kind of situation, okay? You have to build everything. So the Stone Age was after the flood when they got off the ark and faced a devastated world. And of course, you have some bad people that were banished and driven away from society, right? We read about that in scripture years later after they had uh, propagated. So what does that end up looking like? So you're gonna make some stone tools and it's much quicker than digging iron ore out, smelting it, making an ax, right? I mean, you can chip an ax head or some type of sharp cutting instrument from flint in you know, a couple minutes pretty quick way to do it. I mean, if you're gonna sit here and wait to eat until after you dig out the iron ore and smelt it and forge it and make it into an ax head, I mean, you're weeks, right? You're gonna starve to death, okay? So you need a tool right now, right quick. That's why we find these. Also, people driven out from society are going to follow around migrating herds of animals and they don't wanna carry around 50 pounds worth of, oops, I mean, that's next time. They don't want to carry around 50 pounds worth of stone tools with them, so it'll be quicker and easier to make them as you need them in the next place, right? So, I mean, if it takes you just a few minutes to nap a, a flint knife or, has anyone ever done that before? It's actually kind of cool. Oh, you have, Carol? Yeah. Oh, you done it with a screwdriver? <laughs> no fair, you're using steel. <laughs> but my point is, if you have migrating humans that are chasing around, you know, migrating animals, you're not gonna wanna carry all this stuff with you and you have all the materials with you as it is. So you can quickly, you know, um, nap the, the arrowhead or the hatchet head, whatever it is that you need, do the task that you need to do, leave it behind, move on to the next place, right? So that was the Stone Age. So we're gonna stop here right now. So next time when we meet again in September, um, we're going to talk about people living longer, of course, as you guys remember the talk from the pre-flood era. What else would have lived longer at that time? Well, animals, insects, and of course the size differences. But like I said, that'll be next time. And we're right there on time. So any questions so far? Yes? How did you discover the one that you said was on the telephone? Uh-huh. The, the fraud? 
He confessed. Yeah, he, he actually confessed that, oh yeah, you know, I had these two human skulls under my bed for the past 30 years. Yeah, I know. It's, it's wild that these, and these are the evidences that are put forth to us today. And it just, it makes me furious. It makes me absolutely furious that this is what we're being taught. I mean, I remember it. <laughs> my wife remembers it. She has a, another memory <laughs> from her evolutionary teacher. I was rebellious. <laughs> <laughs> is he still alive? He is. <laughs> he is, isn't he? Yeah, he's yeah. still teaching. And he's still teaching, yeah. Any other questions about any of this stuff? Is this brand new information? I mean, have you guys, you know, learned this and thought that this was the actual case and you never knew that it was lies, actual lies? Yeah. Yeah, Joaquin. Well, so they presented all this fossil record, quote unquote, but they've never actually explained why it was advantageous for a species to that could climb trees and use all four appendages right. to grab things. Right. It's advantageous for them to lose their hair and yeah. stand upright. Right. I know. And, and so those listening online, again, I'll repeat uh, my son's question. So they, we have all these different transitory, supposedly, uh, species here in the fossil record, yet they don't, the whole process of evolution is that you're evolving into a lesser life form, into a greater life form, you know, to be more useful, bigger, better, stronger, smarter, faster, all of that stuff. So how is it, or why is it advantageous for a tree-dwelling primate to come down out of the trees, lose all its hair, you know, spend a winter in Minnesota, for example, naked. <laughs> I don't want to do that, right? I'm not going to last very long, you know, in 20 below, naked without any hair or fur to protect me. Why? Why is that advantageous? I mean, I, I remember so many times, especially in school, they talk about our coccyx, our tailbone, you know, as being a vestigial organ, something that we no longer need that's just left over from evolutionary byproduct. Exactly. You're shaking your head. You're like, ah. Uh, no, it's, it's not vegetable. I mean, number one, there's some very important tendons and muscle attachments that you cannot perform very vital bodily functions without it. Okay, we'll <laughs> leave that one there. Also, a, a tail being vesicle, like you don't need it anymore. Can you imagine how handy it'd be to have a tail? How many times have you gone to the door with, you know, two bags or two arms laden with groceries and you would love to have it, you know, something <laughs> open the door, right? That'd be awesome. <laughs> so I would love for that. Balance, for example, yeah. that would be great. So the, these things, there's no good reason why, you know, the evolutionary process should actually give up amazing traits to go back down into lesser traits. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And not only that, well, we don't see it in the fossil record at all. We, we absolutely don't. Um, what we see is just interpretations and sometimes out and out lies, which is very unfortunate. Any others? Any other questions? Johnny? So it's not super relevant to this, but since we're not going to be meeting until September. Yeah. Um, where on this timeline, or did it ever even exist, would the Ice Age be? Good question. So um, on this timeline, or did it ever exist, the Ice Age? No, not a worldwide freeze we actually don't see evidence for that. We see frozen parts like we do today, you know, the poles, for example. Um, we see, cause they, you know, they just make the assumption with, you know, woolly mammoths. How can this thing be traveling, you know, where it did, you know, where they find the fossils? They're like, how can you have a, a woolly elephant being in the middle of the desert? Well, it probably didn't live there. I imagine if the world was destroyed by a worldwide cataclysmic flood, 
it's going to wash some stuff in different places from where it didn't originate, right? Right. So there's going to be much different areas. And not only that, if you guys remember um, when I did the, the Zoom call and I was talking about the, uh, the climate of the pre-flood world, what that ended up looking like, it's much, much different than today. I mean, stuff was growing huge. We had the increased oxygen, increased atmospheric pressure. It wasn't the same as it is today. Not at all. And especially if you have, you know, I don't want to jump the gun, but a little bit. If you have reptiles, do you guys know a fascinating fact about reptiles? Exactly. They never stop growing their entire lifespan. Any reptile, snake, lizard. So what happens if you have a lizard that lives to be 900 years old? <laughs> it would be called a dinosaur, right? <laughs> You're going to have a very, very large <laughs> lizard. And it's just how things were back then in, in the pre-flood world. And that we can actually see evidence from, right? Any other questions, guys? Yeah, one more. Well, I mean, not one more, but. <laughs> that, that week that you were away, uh -huh. that was recorded. No, I know. Roger said, doggone it, he forgot to hit record on that one. Oh, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate you I know, technology, right? If it doesn't if it didn't fail, I don't know what would happen. <laughs> you bet. I saw an article the other day, uh, I didn't read it, I just saw the title of it. It said something to the effect of uh, they believe that the earth is tilted on its axis uh -huh. at some point and then tilted back uh, a short time later. Uh, I don't know. Uh -huh. I didn't read the article, I wasn't overly interested, but um, would that contribute to, I mean, if, if, the, if it was tilted on its side, we'd have ice located in different areas. Mm -hmm. um, the ice age just said probably not something that actually happened, but... Uh, it was localized, yeah. And we are finding actual evidence of that, right? Like, you know, the, the Earth's magnetic field is weakening and we are seeing declination in different degrees from the Earth's axis. Yeah, we are losing where we began. Yeah, absolutely. And it certainly would contribute to that, you know, localized ice fields, um, you know, sauna type conditions on the other side, yeah. Yeah, very, very different place. And that's the whole point where, you know, evolutionary theory, at least, not the science, but the theory fails on that because they, they have this assumption and they try to interpret the data with this underlying assumption rather than just letting the data, like we saw with the, the one, the footprints, right? And the scientists saying, well, if I didn't know that these footprints were three and three quarter million years old, I'd say that they were human footprints. How about they are human footprints and your timeline's wrong, right? Did that ever cross your mind? Did you ever think that maybe my theory is off and I'm actually looking at human footprints because I can see human footprints that look exactly the same today? No, it doesn't. I mean, completely so blinded by the lie. Any other questions, guys? No? All right. Well, let me stop record. <laughs>